The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Tuesday and a crazy Tuesday at that. Here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. He's Carter Bird. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. A wild day in the world of sports. Don't you worry. We're going to cover all of it. The breaking news as of this morning, the PGA Tour and the Live Golf Tour, the sworn enemies in the game of golf are coming together and merging as one we will talk about that all show long today not the entire show but a lot of our show will be that today as uh, just the biggest news in the world of sports right now the I mean I, I was I couldn't believe it and really nobody else could either because Nobody else had any idea, and so we'll talk about that. Uh, it's just it's taken over the sports world today. So we'll talk about PGA Tour and the Live Golf Tour merging together. Great show on tap for you. Outside of that, uh, very excited to uh, to let you know that at 2.30 today here in hour number one, the voice of the Auburn Tigers, Andy Burcham, will join us in studio to recap 2022-2023 in Auburn Athletics. Uh, we asked Jacob Hillman about that a little bit yesterday, but Andy Burcham will be in studio with us at 2.30 to recap what football was, basketball was, and of course baseball just wrapping up as well. And so really, really excited uh, to have Andy Burcham, the voice of the Auburn Tigers, in the studio at 2.30 for the last 30 minutes of hour number one. Then at 3 o'clock, Ben Taylor, host of Auburn Opelika this morning over on our sister station, News Talk WANI, and co-host of Dad Bod Golf Pod and the Braves Today podcast. He's got a mouthful as well. He will join us in studio at 3 o'clock for uh, an interview talking about the live in PGA news of course with his uh, dad bod golf pod podcast he knows all about it so we will sit down and talk with him at three o'clock here in the studio then after that Lance Dahl of Locked On Kentucky and Auburn Daily joins us to talk about everything else going on in the sports world getting us caught up on Auburn and Kentucky news so Carter a busy busy day here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line oh yeah this is uh it's gonna be a fun one because we got some breaking news rocking the sports world this morning, and we've got some great guests on today as well. It's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. And so we will jump right into it. We want to hear from you, our wonderful listeners, 334-321-1390. That is the number to put you through to us. We want to hear your thoughts and comments, reactions to the PGA Tour announcing this morning that them and the Live Golf Tour will be merging as one. That's right. They will be coming together along with the DP World Tour, and they will all be under the same umbrella to unify the game of golf, is what they called it. And this was not just a shock to me and you, Carter. This was not just a shock to us in the state of Alabama. This was a shock to everybody in the world, not just the fans, not just the talking heads, 
the players had no idea that this was going on and had no idea this was happening. They woke up today, just like you and I, just like you, the listener, and found out the exact same way that we did on Twitter. Yeah. This was going down. That's the craziest part is the PGA players had no idea. And some of them that have been kind of toting the water for for the PGA Tour, for Jay Monahan, the the commissioner of the PGA Tour, um, Rory, Morikawa, those guys, to find out on Twitter is hilarious, like in a bad way. It's... If I were them, I would feel disrespected by the PGA Tour because it feels like you asked me to do one thing. You asked me to go out there and fight this fight for you. And you're in a back room making deals with the public investment fund uh, of the, the Saudis that we've talked so much about. And you've gone back on everything you initially stated because the PGA Tour set this very strong stance like we're never gonna negotiate with them communicate with them we this is bad for the game blood money all of that and then what are we even two years in if we if we are we are just past two years and here we are they're merging which feels like a significant 180 yeah and and there's so many different there's so many different aspects to this and there's so many different directions that we could go and again we would love to hear from you 334-321-1390 there's so many different ways to go and different conversations that have to be had on this and it's going to take more than one show unfortunately um but with this news today it broke at about nine o'clock this morning on twitter that's how everybody found out Uh, The PGA eventually sent a letter to the players. We'll read you some of that coming up in just a little bit and and let you know what the PGA said to the players. They've scheduled a players-only meeting today in Canada where the RBC Canadian Open is going to be played. Um, Coming off of a tournament this past weekend, you have the U.S. Open coming up next weekend, which we know this storyline will dominate that tournament. Um, you, You look at... It from a player perspective, live and PGA player perspective. You look at it from the PGA and live tours perspective. You look at it from the fan perspective. And I want to start right there because after all of the dust settles, all of the stuff that we're going to talk about over the next few days and what everybody in the world will be talking about over the next few days, once the dust settles, this will probably be a good thing, at least for the fans of golf, because at this point, All of the biggest names will be competing in all of the biggest tournaments, and there will be no question of, well, we'll see if Brooks Kepka plays in this, or we'll see if Phil Mickelson gets to play in this, or we'll see if they're allowed to be there because they play on the other tour, right? That will all go away, and the questions of how it's all going to work and what the name of this new uh, new organization is going to be is yet to be determined, Um, but from a just a fan perspective to start out at the end of the day this will be a good thing for golf it's just all of the outside noise and everything that's happened building up to this moment this 180 moment like you put it that's what's got everybody so riled up not the fact that they're all coming together at the end of the day 
that's a good thing. It's all the stuff that's built up to this. That's why people are so frustrated. Yeah, I mean, this is... Have we seen anything more hypocritical than this in sports? Not a long, long time. Not on this scale. I, I, I don't think we have because, I mean, the PGA and the media, which I do think the PGA had influence over, the initial attack on Live Golf was all about the morals of it. It's all about where's that money coming from? Blood money. Remember there was the the discussion about 9-11 and all of that that went with it, and you kind of guilt-tripped your players that stayed on the tour to help set that strong stance, that strong line for you. And a lot of them did because they felt like they had the moral responsibility to do so. Mm -hmm. And now you're doing this. I can't imagine what those guys are feeling right now. Because, I mean, I've, I've heard from somebody that has talked to to a caddy of a player and he's like man i could have gotten almost 50 million dollars and that's on the low end for some yeah. of these guys i mean you you remember the numbers that were coming out this is obviously the outlier but Ti- the, tiger woods was reportedly offered between 700 and 800 million dollars 700 and 800 million dollars reportedly that tiger woods yeah, was offered to go and play in the live tour when i say 50 million dollars we're talking like a mid-range right pga pro Right, and we've but, seen the numbers that have come out, and these guys. How about this? You've got Tiger, Rory, Rom, uh, Matsuyama, Morikawa, and Zalatoris. Do you know what their live golf offers would have added up to be? Almost two billion, maybe two point one billion dollars. Wow, two point one billion dollars, and they didn't. And they didn't because they uh, they took a moral stance. Because the PGA As, pressured them to do it. That's the way the PGA set the narrative. And then now you've got the PGA walking that back and being like, hey, remember all that stuff we said about you? It was a prank. And what's nasty about all of this, Carter? What's nasty about all of this? Not only has the PGA gone back on their word and there's plenty of audio to go around showing that that's been going around twitter today and putting jay monahan on absolute blast as he should be he can't he cannot survive this yeah it's gonna be tough there's there is no way there's no way he is the commissioner of the pga tour moving forward or whatever it's gonna be right whatever it is and and that's the thing is the pga i think think the players the pga players that stayed would riot and i think they should and i think you know who's going to be leading that charge the one and only rory mcelroy and he absolutely should because he was put on the pga players go go form their own tour whatever i mean (laughs) whatever they need to do i don't care but you look at somebody like rory who didn't he hesitated to take the Saudi backed money from the Live Golf Tour, which is fine. You understand the initial hesitancy. But then when he didn't jump immediately, the PGA Tour, they basically said, they looked around and said, you know, who's one of the better names in golf that's pretty likable? Rory McElroy, you're going to be our golden boy. You will be our spokesperson. 
and you better not say anything bad about our guys and you better talk everything bad about the live players that you used to play with good luck and they didn't even really like tip him off because last week he had quotes about team europe in the Ryder cup Mm -hmm. talking about granted i guess it had softened a little bit because you were saying yeah brooks kepka should be on team usa and he should but then he said for other reasons those team europe guys should not be allowed to come play in in the the Ryder cup with him but it's it's if you're Rory, the biggest loser in this is Rory because he was the face of the PGA Tour. He was captain PGA Tour. That's what he was. Yeah. That's what he was. Liked it and or not, he was. He sacrificed some of his likability. I know some people that hate him now. I would say a lot of his likability. There's a lot of people that don't like him. And it's Rory all just now. for it's for nothing now. And that's where I was going with all of this is the fact that what makes this so nasty for a guy like Rory McElroy, who got put on a pedestal that he may or may not have wanted and got dragged through the mud and went through you know what and back versus what the guys who left the PGA Tour to play on the Live Tour and help their families themselves and take advantage of their skills like Brooks Kepka, like Phil Mickelson, like Dustin Johnson, who were then patronized and put through the worst possible media coverage, said they were going, they were against the PGA, they were going against the United States of America, that they were disrespecting their country because they were taking money from another country and another organization. But here we are, and now they're all one. And the PGA did the exact same thing because there's a few points here. A, this did not happen overnight. And Daryl Dappert said that earlier today on the Max Roundtable, and he's 100% right. This did not happen yesterday. They didn't come together and say, hey, that'd be a pretty good idea. Maybe we should do that. Absolutely not. This has been in the works for six months. Has to be. Also, the other part to that, the amount of money that the PGA had to take for this to happen is going to be unbelievable. And we may never know what that number is. We may never know how much the PGA is going to make from this. We may never know how much the people inside the PGA are going to make from this. But they didn't do it for free. I bet you that. And it shows that At the end of the day, and we have these conversations about college sports, we have these conversations about professional sports. Heck, you're getting into that conversation with high school sports. It's not about the sport. It's not about the players. It's not about the coaches. It's not about the fans. It's about one thing. It's about the money. The money drives everything. And if you haven't realized that about the world and about sports, then you're just you're doing yourself an injustice because that's where sports are now. It's about the money, and whatever makes the most of that, they are going to do it, and they won't think twice about it. Yeah, I mean, this is – I view this more as rather than like the the PGA Tour, like how much money could they get by doing this? I think this is – I think the PGA Tour had to do this to survive because we've seen that that commitment – that the public investment fund has made to sports. I mean, they just announced that they're injecting $20 billion. Billion with a B. Into their soccer league 
to make it more respected. They're paying some dude like three years, six hundred million or something insane. Mm-hmm. Like they've got money to burn, and that's and- an interesting point that's been brought up today that I want to talk about when we come back. This may just be the beginning. You've seen it in soccer. You've seen it in racing. You're seeing it in golf. What other sports could all of this start happening with Saudi-backed money? We'll talk about that when we come back. 334-321-1390. Come on in and join us. We want to hear from you. And reminder, coming up at 2.30, the voice of the Auburn Tigers, Andy Burcham, will join us. We'll talk some Auburn Athletics recapping 2022 and 2023. Stay tuned. Don't turn that radio dial here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. All right, back inside the studio here at ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika sports leader talking the uh, the biggest news around the sports world today, the PGA Tour and the Live Golf Tour merging with the DP World Tour as well, merging to become one. Uh, the name of what whatever that organization is going to be is to be determined. Uh, but the the what we were just talking about is the fact that the the thing that everybody's talking about is that the PGA Tour and Jay Monahan are now possibly the biggest hypocrites in sports history because of what they said for so long and how hard they pressed on the fact that the Live Tour was just unacceptable. It was inhumane. If you left the PGA for the Live, you were un-American, unpatriotic, all these types of things that they legitimately pushed the narrative for for a long time. And then all of a sudden, on a Tuesday morning, they said, yeah, we're going to release the biggest news of the month, uh, of the year possibly, that they're all merging together. And just like you said, Carter, eh, just forget about forget about what we said earlier. We, I think we changed our minds, and I think we're okay with all of that now. Like, are you freaking kidding me? By the way, I, I, I want to point this out because this news has been out there all day. Jay Monahan and the PGA still have not met with the players. That's happening in 40 minutes. Right. Up in Canada. At three at the uh, RBC Canadian Open, they're scheduled to have a players meeting. I'm sure that's going to go great. Oh, I can't wait to hear how that goes. And can who. Somebody, can somebody, like, sneak a secret camera in there and, like, Please. a microphone? Please. It can be like, uh, it can be like when, when the. Texas bus was was after losing that game a, few, a couple years ago, yeah. and, and Bo Davis, the the defensive line coach, was just yelling at him and ripping him up and down the bus. I want that type of secret r- recording of this meeting of this meeting so badly. I'm sure it's probably a quote unquote required meeting, but how many players do you think don't show up? I mean, there's a lot of players that are in Canada at the at the grounds because that's where the next tournament is, starting you know practice rounds today, tomorrow, and then the tournament on Thursday. But I mean, if if let me ask you, not Rory McIlroy, but if you are, I think this is a great example. If you're Colin Morikawa, yep. you're a top thirty player in the world. You no doubt got a phone call from Liv at some point in this time yeah. period. You are a very well known player on the PGA Tour. Do you a do you go to this meeting today? And B, if you do, what do you say? I think you express your frustration like so many of these guys have. 
Because it's like they're totally blindsided by this, and that's what they're all very angry about. Because they don't feel like they were included, and the PGA has tried to sell itself, especially over the last two years, that it's a it's a member-led organization. Well, the PGA didn't consult the members, and that's an issue. And here's a question for you that, that I just thought of. You think Tiger Woods is going to be in Toronto? Because he wasn't going to play in this tournament. Do you think he hopped on his private jet and flew up to Toronto to be there in person? It's an interesting question. I think you almost have to be. I mean, he's the biggest name in, in the history I feel of golf. Like, like, I feel like the, the other top names on the PGA Tour, in order to emphasize the frustration and the lack of transparency with the PGA Tour, I think they have to be he they have to have asked him to come but here's here's another question off this who are the two biggest or who are the biggest winners off this because I have two yeah that's been the big question the winners the winners and the losers coming out of this I think and we'll ask Ben Taylor this later on today as well the winners here a if you want a single person that's a winner is Phil Mickelson. Yes. He is on cloud 9 11 13 today. Like he is. You want to know who the other one is, though? The individual winner? Yeah. Probably like Brooks Kepka. Yeah, because Brooks Kepka was going through all sorts of mental issues after a bunch of injuries, mm-hmm. got paid a bunch of money to leave, got healthy, won on the, on the live tour, got paid a bunch of money for that, returned to dominance, came back. Was really daggum good in the Masters, won the PGA Championship, and now is going to be able to come back to the PGA Tour, and having missed all of that time, he's still second in the Ryder Cup rankings for the U.S. And he's making, only had two starts. And making more money than all of them. Making more money than all of them. Just like, about. I promise you, Brooks Kepka. The state that he was probably in with his injuries and mental state, when all this started breaking out and, and he left for Live Golf, he probably thought, this couldn't have gone better. 100%. And I think <laughs> Phil Mickelson's in that same boat who tweeted out today, this morning when it broke, he said, what a beautiful day with a smiley face on Twitter. Those guys are doing just fine. So the biggest winners are guys like Phil Mickelson, like Brooks Kepka. Live is a massive winner in all of this because... They did exactly what they wanted to do. And on the other side of it, the biggest losers, we already talked about Roy McElroy, who got put on blast by a lot of people because of the PGA, because he was loyal. And really, the losers are the ones that didn't Monahan. take the money. Like, I, I come back to, I don't, this after this meeting in 30 minutes, there's no way Monahan is going to still be in any sort of position in power of of power after this. I would do everything in my power to make sure that that is correct. I would do if I was again, I think Colin Morikawa is a really really good example. He's not the best, but he's he is right there with it and uh, there again, there is no doubt in my mind that he got a call from Live and could have made a lot more money playing on the Live tour than he did playing on the PGA Tour. And look, there's all the political side of this on where the money's coming from, the Saudi-backed money. I get that. And there's an argument to be made about that as well. Any moral argument 
from the PGA side is gone. Right. No, I'm saying just from like yeah. from a fan perspective, right? It's like don't take that. Is this going to stop people from, from watching golf now? I don't think no. so. No, absolutely not. If anything, like I said, the winners also were the fans because at the end of the day, when all of this craziness settles, when all of the reactions like we're doing and on Twitter and the fans that are listening and watching golf, when all of this settles six months from now or the start of next season. The winners will be the fans because you can have confidence that the best of the best will be there week in and week out. And there will be no more rivalry, right? There will be no more controversy. There will be no more. It was great for the full swing documentary. It was fantastic. By the way, and apparently they were filming. I saw that. As the news broke. Saw that. Cannot wait for that. I can like, if you've seen Drive to Survive when they go into silly season and they're filming everything and. Like I can hear the tweet noise that you that you hear when tweets happen. Yep. When they would overlay that with something and somebody's reaction to breaking news. I cannot wait for that in full swing. The PGA sent before we get to break and have Andy Burcham on. The PGA sent a letter to all PGA tour members and it said, PGA tour members, the first line, today is a momentous day for our your organization and the game of golf as a whole. And that's how it starts. We'll read some more about it later on. When you get into the heart of this letter, if I'm a PGA Tour pro, I would have burned it. I would have burned the letter and just been like, are you serious? This is what you're coming to me with? You didn't bother to tell us 12 hours before you made the decision? Do we think live golfers had some sort of heads up? No, but they don't care. I don't care. I bet you some of them did. Maybe they did, and I think we'll find out as time goes on. We'll talk some more about this later on, but stay tuned. Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, joins us in studio. Coming up next. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Halfway through hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. He is Carter Bird, as always, here on ESPN 106.7. And very, very, very excited to have the one and only Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, joining us in studio here in hour number one. Andy, we appreciate you coming in. I know it's officially off-season for you, and we appreciate you stopping by. I would rather be getting ready for a Super Regional, quite frankly. Um, we wish yeah. we were talking about a super regional. Yeah, uh, disappointing end to the football, the, the basketball, baseball season for Auburn. I guess it was disappointing end for all of those three sports, <laughs> but uh, certainly for baseball, it played so well in the second half of the season, and uh, just just didn't hit the ball very well this past weekend. And now they're they're getting ready for a summer of, you know, what what happens with the the amateur draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're hitting the transfer portal. They were doing that during the tournament. Uh, that doesn't stop. So a lot of a lot of questions to be answered for a summer for uh, for baseball and for Butch Thompson. And really, they they did a terrific job until it got to the time for the mm-hmm. for the regional. And, and that's a shame because of how well it was attended by the Auburn family mm-hmm. and how well the, the the tournament was put on by Auburn. And I know they're disappointed that it came to an end as it did. And it's got to be – I mean, baseball is such a unique challenge once your season – I mean, <clears throat> as you said, not even when your season is over because you're recruiting high schoolers, you're you're looking into the portal to see what you need to add. But with that amateur draft, 
it's so different because that's now in July. Yes, yeah. and guys don't have to have to commit to staying in the draft like like other leagues. Your high schoolers that you have committed, like I I remember years ago, uh, one of John Pulowski's teams lost two draft picks to the tenth and an eleventh pick, and it kind of like that type of thing can set you back. So when you look to the future, I guess to next season. How do you think Butch Thompson and this staff kind of attack retooling this roster that is going to lose a lot on, on the offensive end especially? Yeah, last year, Auburn lost, other than Sonny DeShera, mm-hmm. Auburn lost just a ton of pitching to the draft. This year, it will be the offense that it loses to the draft. It will lose uh, the left side of the infield. Mm-hmm. Bryson Ware and Cole Foster, and it will lose... Bobby Pierce in right. It will lose Casey Howell in center, whose eligibility has run out, although they'd love to get him for a seventh year. <laughs> Seven or 17, right? right. Uh, you, you probably lose uh, Nate LaRue behind the plate, so you lose that. And, and from a pitching standpoint, I think you're in really good shape coming back. Auburn has three Gatorade State Players of the Year in this recruiting class coming in. And it could lose up to two of those, probably. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's a couple that are and, and a first couple round of, kind of guys. Exactly, and a couple of them are already on campus. Wow, they're already on campus taking classes at Auburn. Wow. But that doesn't mean that when the draft comes around in July and they're high <laughs> draft picks, which in likely in all likelihood they will be, that they don't go to the draft. Or they could be like an Ike Irish and a Zach Crotchfelt, who were highly thought of, but. Let it be known that if you don't come up with this number, I'm going to Auburn. How much tougher has that decision become in today's age of, of NIL <clears> and, and how good Auburn as a program has become? How much tougher has that decision become in your mind to, stay or, to stay or go? Uh, that's a good question, and, and I think it's strictly up to that individual. Uh, NIL money probably makes it easier for someone to say, I'm, I'm going I'm to go to college. I mean, how many times do you hear of a guy that, that went – maybe left Auburn early, or left, not just Auburn, anywhere. And they regret that decision Mm -hmm. to go to pro ball, and they wish they'd have at least had one more year at Auburn or wherever to play college ball. I've heard it time and time again, but it happens time and time again. It's really up to that individual. And and when you look at, I mean, that happens across really all three, I mean, really a bunch of sports at the college level. Uh, But with baseball... Auburn and I know Alabama kind of are at a little bit of disadvantages when it comes to ways to strategically supplement the 11.7 baseball scholarship. There's no hope scholarship in the state of Alabama. Yes. And listen, Steve Renfro talked about that from day one as a head coach at Auburn. And he was talking about it as an assistant coach. And he was ridiculed for that. Oh, that's just an excuse. Well, it's not just an excuse. Talk to any of the head coaches that Mm -hmm. have been at Auburn and Alabama for the last 30 years, since that Hope Scholarship came, became a factor in Georgia and Florida and whatever it is in, LS, in, in Baton Rouge or mm-hmm. in Louisiana, all three of those, and I'm, this is, I'm not a proponent one way or the other with regard to the lottery, but all three of those states have lotteries, mm-hmm. and the education fund benefits from that. But that's a disadvantage. The state of Mississippi offers in-state tuition to its athletes. The state of Alabama cannot. It's a state law. Right. 
that you cannot offer in-state tuition to student-athletes in the state of Alabama. If you're from Mississippi or Georgia or Tennessee, wherever, it's written in the legislature. So those are a couple things that you're fighting, and you're, you're fighting against that. And yet, you look at what Butch Thompson has done at Auburn. Look at what Alabama has done. Guys, this is a great story at Alabama. You're right. Oh, yeah. Um, and look at what those two programs have done in spite of the fact that they don't have the advantages of the others. When you talk about NIO and you talk about those disadvantages that Auburn has been in, how much can NIL in your mind I, help I, yes, it make can. up for that? And then also, I mean, how, how extra impressive is what Butch has done with the disadvantages yeah. that he faces? Well, let, let me take the second question first. Uh, if you're not impressed with what Butch Thompson has done in his eight years as the head coach at Auburn, uh, examine why, all right? Because he took over a program that was in shambles. Mm-hmm. He took over a program that was in shambles after fall ball mm-hmm. when he came in, taking over for Sonny Galloway. And they struggled that first year mightily. And they were building that program at that time. And by year two, they were back in the NCAA tournament and came within a strike. I think I'm right in my mm-hmm. years here. Came within a strike of winning the Florida State Regional. And with Tanner Burns and Casey, and Casey Mize would have hosted a super regional. Uh, that's, and that, that's, uh, it was Tanner. It was it was Casey Mize and Keegan Thompson. Mm-hmm. Those are the two. Both in Major League Baseball, so, right? right? Yeah, okay. that's just as right. in, impressive in, in that, my book. That's his first trip as Auburn's head coach into the NCAA tournament. In year two in the NCAA tournament, Auburn thought it would be a host. It was not. It was sent to North Carolina State, where it won three games, and then took the number one seed in the country on its home field, Florida, to the very last out of that Super Regional. And you're an unlucky bounce of the ball from being right there at the very end. Exactly. In year three, in 2019, you win the Georgia Tech Regional. Stephen Williams hits the big dramatic home run on Saturday night. Then you go to North Carolina where they have never lost a Super Regional and you win that and you're back in Omaha. 20 is a wash because of COVID. Mm-hmm. 21 is a tough year because of injuries and Auburn was, was, had, had to win a couple games at Missouri just to make the SEC tournament. Right. And then in 2022, you host. Mm-hmm. And you score 50-some runs. It's, it's a, an SEC record for a three-game regional the amount of offense Auburn had, which makes this year even tougher. Yeah. <laughs> and then you go to Oregon State, where like in 2019 at North Carolina, they had never lost a Super Regional at home. Going across the country to try Going to do across that. the country, spending – you're an hour and a half away from Corvallis because it's graduation weekend and they don't reserve a hotel for Auburn. And we know you you fully understand yeah. with all that. And we, I mean, we, just, we saw the Kentucky stuff exactly. this, this year. <laughs> and we're, we're, we're driving an hour and a half back. The team is. We are too. And Auburn goes in and wins that Super Regional and goes to, or, to Omaha and, and wins a game there. So uh, are, you, are you telling me that Butch Thompson isn't on the right track with his staff at Auburn? I think really? he's doing. I think he's doing just fine. Oh, I, I, I think if he no, I'm, if, I'm not. It was that oh, was no, 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 rhetorical. No, but I've I've said that if he was on an even playing field with the rest of the SEC, I think he'd already have a national championship. Or well, two right and now. here's the thing: you you will not hear Butch Thompson talk about all that other stuff that I've mentioned. <laughs> right. All right. He knows the score. He knows he knows what he is up against at Auburn, 
And not only that, but the man is a leader of men at Auburn, and he does things the right way. Um, It's the same thing I say about what Bruce Pearl has done with this basketball program. And he overcame even more. Oh, yeah. All right. And it's still kind of on the back end of trying to get out of all that as well. Well, I mean, you know, listen, when, when he came in to take over for Tony Barbie. Oh, yeah. He had to there take whole, him from like yeah, the, there wasn't the a whole like lot there. Of, yeah. of, exactly. of misery. Yeah. And then what mm-hmm. he has done, he, what he has done, what, the, what this year shows you, when we're all disappointed about a second round <laughs> departure in the NCAA tournament, how many years did Auburn go without ever getting a sniff of the NCAA time. tournament? Most of my right. life. Yeah, literally. All right, well, that shows you what Bruce Pearl has done mm-hmm. about the culture of basketball at Auburn University, right? Right. And we all hope that, that Hugh Freeze is about to do the same thing with the football program. Which is sort of the reason we brought you in today to talk about the 2022 and 2023 athletic seasons with the major three. Football, basketball, and baseball. Of course, starting with baseball, it's the freshest on our minds. And with, and with Butch Thompson, it just seemed like Auburn baseball had just continued to take a step and step and step every single year and it seemed like that this year halfway through the year it was a struggle there were some serious conversations going on they turned it on they became the hottest team in the country and they come and they host a regional and if you continue playing like you had been you had a chance to host a super regional as you mentioned and Auburn just fell short so in your mind with the baseball team this year in particular what happened in the regional where they went 0-2 at home the, the 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 simple the simple answer is Auburn didn't hit the ball. Mm-hmm. Every hit that Auburn had in the tournament was a single. Yeah, there was no extra base hits. It's not a winning Auburn. not a winning I, recipe, I the, Andy. I think the stat was that happened once all year. It yeah. happened twice back to back in the regional. It was and and when Auburn did hit the ball hard, it seemed like it hit the ball hard somewhere to someone. Mm-hmm. Stanfield had three of them. Yeah, why that happened, guys? I don't know. I, 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 can't, I can't answer. <laughs> I will say this. Penn pitched the ball well mm-hmm. on Friday. Southern, Mitch, Southern Miss pitched the ball well on Saturday. I thought Auburn still pitched well enough to win both of those games. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had talked pitching, pitching, pitching all year as a culprit. And yet those guys pitched well enough to, to win it. It was the offense that, that, that happened. And I to, to tell you why, guys, I, I don't have an answer for you. When you look at this baseball season and really this basketball season too because there was a moment that was somewhat similar where it felt like momentum had been lost but after the A&M series I mean we we were sitting here talking about Auburn's out of the tournament Auburn's gonna have to fight to make it to Hoover you're you're five and ten in the SEC coming out of Mm -hmm. the Alabama series yeah that was where where Auburn easily could have won two of three or maybe sweep the series all Mm -hmm. right but you're five and ten in the league and we're all wondering Will this team even make Hoover mm-hmm. at that point? And that's the midway mark of the SEC schedule. Mm-hmm. And then Auburn goes 12-3 and three for the last five series of the year. And then wins a game in Hoover, too. And then wins a game in Hoover. And now all of a sudden, not only are you in Hoover, not only are you in the NCAA tournament, but for the first time in school history, you're hosting in back-to-back years. And you have all that momentum and a fabulous atmosphere. Mm-hmm. at Plainsman Park, and yet offensively just didn't produce yeah. this week. Well, when you look at both of those, I guess, basketball and baseball, their seasons as a whole, to watch those teams 
go through the struggles that they went through and then figure out a way to grind through those issues and come out on the other side and really <clears throat> climb up to the, the top half or even higher in the conference. What did you see out of both of those teams this year? I thought it was two of the best coaching jobs that those two men have done. We talk about the great job that Bruce Pearl did two years ago with that very good roster and putting that mm -hmm. together and winning an SEC regular season championship. I thought Bruce was forced to be a better coach this year than he was two years ago. Not that he was a poor coach two years ago. He was a coach of the year. But dealing with losing Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith Jr. and bringing in a couple more, you know, transfers and you don't know what Janai Broom's going to do in his first year. And then you've got two freshmen that we all thought were going to be superstars. And one basically plays a third of the season. And the other is not much of a factor. And now both of those guys are gone. They've transferred. And yet, and in the SEC was a grind mm -hmm. this year for that, for that ball club. And yet they still beat. You know, they, they still won down the stretch and they still beat Tennessee to, to in that final regular season game to kind of convince everyone that they're an NCAA tournament team and beat a good Iowa team, I thought, in the first round and, and were ahead of the national number one seed in Houston or a number one seed in Houston by 10 at halftime. Mm -hmm. And then things kind of fell apart. Houston decided, yeah, okay. <laughs> we're, we're the number one seed and we're about to show you why that's right and when you of course uh, sitting down with Andy Burcham voice of the Auburn Tigers here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line when you look at this 2022-2023 athletic season as a whole with everything that happened in football season uh, the, the good and the bad with basketball and baseball like we just sort of talked about and how those seasons didn't get off to a great start but then they picked it up and had what was considered by fans a disappointing ending because of how they were playing. When you put all of that together, seeing it firsthand like you do, put that into words, what 2022 and 2023 was for Auburn Athletics. Well, football was just a roller coaster ride. We all had hopes and dreams going into the season. And I remember walking on campus the day before Penn State played at Jordan-Hare Stadium. And the optimism and the excitement of Penn State coming to town, and there were already Penn State folks on campus. And I remember walking to the stadium from my car on that, that day, and a couple of Penn State folks were looking for a bathroom, and I sent them over to Plainsman Park and how friendly they were, and I felt really good. And then I remember the postgame show that day uh, because Paul Ellen, of course, was, was still out with us. He's back, by the way. He'll be back on the crew. Okay, good. So I was doing pre- and post-game interviews in the locker room and just sat down at, at, in that game. And, I, and you kind of realize the gravity of the situation of, of that game. And if that game was indicative of how Auburn was going to play against the big-time opponents, what this season could become. Yeah. Uh, and then, obviously, it was a week-by-week -week deal about whether Brian Harson would be the head coach or not or whether he should be the head coach or not. And, of course, after the Arkansas game, that decision was made. And then when well, – listen, what, what happened the last four games of the season, guys, and I'm sure you've talked about it. I'm sure many – Bill and mm -hmm. Dan and all the guys talked about it right after your show today as well. 
what Carnell did in those last four games. I won't say it saved a season, but it may have saved a program. Yeah, I agree. Um, the, the joy it brought back to the Auburn family, how that family rallied, how that Auburn family rallied around Carnell in those four games, how well Auburn, how, how competitive Auburn was in those four games. Um, the Texas A&M game here, which was not really a, wasn't a real good game, quite frankly. <laughs> what two, three, and six teams? Right. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Could you have convinced me of that though by the atmosphere at Jordan Hare Stadium? No, that no way. That day. I mean, will we ever see an atmosphere like that? And considering how cool it was, how how much fun was it to kind of soak in that that atmosphere from right. from the uh, booth? Yeah. No, I think we will. I, th- I think we will see that again. We've seen it before. It's not like we've never well, seen it before, right? I'm more saying the the given the circumstances of two teams that were not having great years. No, and, and that's what surprised so many people mm-hmm. from outside the program. Mm-hmm. How can these people be this excited about a 3-16? and 16? Okay, you don't understand Auburn then. Or the SEC. Right. So, and, and then, you know, so then, then just a couple days after the season ends, Hugh Freeze is brought in. I think what he has done from a recruiting situation, especially hitting the transfer portal, mm-hmm. we all should be grateful of the transfer portal right now, guys. You better believe <laughs> it. Because this, this roster would not be transformed nearly as quick without it. Um, and the staff that he's brought in, the work that he's doing, um, I, I did an event with Coach Freeze today at Jordan-Hare Stadium. And, just, and we, we talked for about a half hour. We did a fireside chat for about a half hour today. And it's hard not to get excited. I am excited about, about the future. And listen, I, I, I have no misgivings about what this season could be because this is going to be a tough year for Auburn. Just, I mean, you're, you're playing in the SEC. You're still playing Alabama and Georgia, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It sounds like you'll still get Alabama and Georgia in two years too when the 18 schedule comes out and, Oakland, and, and Texas maybe on the schedule. It's hard for me not to be excited about what is going to become of this Auburn football program under Hugh Freeze. Being the voice of the Auburn Tigers, you talk about your optimism and your excitement for what is to come for Auburn football and athletics in general coming up in 23-24. What have you heard and seen from the Auburn family, the Auburn fans, now that we are in what you would consider the offseason? You have track and field still competing, but other than that, everybody else is wrapped up. What have you heard and seen from the Auburn fan base about what 23 and 24 could be across all sports at Auburn? We did four what they call ambush tours uh, for Auburn with an event in Atlanta, actually Buckhead, um, another in Huntsville, one in Nashville, Tennessee, and then we finished up uh, and in LaGrange at the Great Wolf Lodge. No, we were not in the water park. There's you didn't a, go down any water slides, no, Andy? No, there's a nice convention center there. That's where <laughs> we were. And the enthusiasm that Auburn fans showed for Auburn was infectious. And it wasn't just football. It wasn't just basketball or baseball. It was gymnastics and women's basketball and men's golf and equestrian. Folks are excited about Auburn. Coach Pearl was at all three. Coach Freeze was at all three. And John Cohen was at all, all four, excuse me, not three, all four. And then other coaches were there as well. Uh, folks are excited. I mean, I did the introductions and did interviews with all of them, and every time we brought Hugh Freeze on the stage, <laughs> it's a difference. 
every time. Well, Bruce Pearl is, you know, <laughs> that's fair. Yes, no. exactly. Bruce is his, Bruce is his own thing. We all know yeah, that. I exactly. Mean, he, he brings his own crowd. Folks are excited about Auburn, and I'm glad glad to be their their voice. In your time, in your career at Auburn, would you say that? right now is the most collective hope there has been across all of Auburn's sports programs? I, mean, I, I, don't know, I, I don't know how to answer that, Carter. I will say this. The collection of coaches that Auburn has across the board I think is as good as we've seen. Mm-hmm. Men, men's, women's basketball, football, baseball, softball, track and field. I, I'm telling you guys, Leroy Burrell is going to do some things with this Auburn track and field program. Jeff Graber with, with gymnastics. Karen Hoppe has been a steady force mm-hmm. in soccer. Look what the men's and women's tennis teams are now doing. Yeah, Men's and women's golf. Um, the men hosted a regional this year. The women will host another regional next year at, at the Auburn University Club. I mean, we're seeing these Auburn teams advance to the NCAA tournament in whatever sport on a regular basis now. It's become the norm, right? Yeah. And so much so that when a basketball team is bounced in the second round of the NCAA tournament or a baseball team doesn't make out of its own regional, we're disappointed mm-hmm. in that. And there have been years where we would have been thrilled just to be there. Now, the drive of these coaches, they're not sitting there going, well, look, look what we've done. No, that's not what Bruce Pearl's about. That's not what Butch Thompson's about. It's or, clearly not what Hughes yeah. about with no. how much he's been hitting the uh, portal and trail. <laughs> crazy. I yep. mean, it's crazy um, what, what he has done to transform a roster. There's a lot of questions about this football program that I'm not sure he even has answers for until they come back for fall camp and, and play. And hit the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's one thing we've talked about, no doubt about it. And, and, and it's going to be interesting, but I'm with you. I think the excitement is there. We've heard it on our end from our listeners and callers, and, and I know you have as well. I will say this about football. As exciting and infectious as it is to be excited about the football program, and I don't even want to show some patience. That's fair. You know what I I'm mean, saying? Yep. You're no sandwiched doubt. between Alabama and Georgia. You're exactly right. At yep. the peak at, of both at, of their powers. Exactly. I think it's a good message to uh, send. And I, th- there are still going to be some some stumbles mm. for this football program, but I think Auburn's on the right track, and I think it's going to happen quickly. Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, joining us here in studio on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Andy, we appreciate you and your time so much, man. It's so good to talk to you. My pleasure, guys. Have a great day. Thank you very much. War Eagle to you. Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers. He joined us from 2.30 to 3.30, or 2.30 to 3. Excuse me, if you missed it, go catch up with the podcast. Stay tuned, though. Ben Taylor joins us when we come back. You are on the line, live on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. 
You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday. It's been a wild show so far as we get underway in hour number two here on ESPN 106.7. He's Carter Bird. I'm Jacob Goins. If you missed any of hour number one, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast. You can find it one of two ways, ESPNAU.com, or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. You do not want to miss anything from the first hour. Carter and I talked about the breaking news, the biggest story in sports today about the PGA and Live Tour merging. Also, we also had the voice of the Auburn Tigers Andy Burcham joined us in studio in that first hour as well, talking all things Auburn Athletics, recapping the 2022-2023 seasons. You do not want to miss it, so if you couldn't catch it live, go catch up with the podcast at ESPNAU.com. And speaking of that, the, the biggest news in sports today, the PGA Tour and the the live golf tour and the dp golf tour all merging together and who better to talk about this than the co-host of dad bod golf pod ben taylor also host of auburn opelika this morning joining us in studio ben what in the world is going on in the game of golf right now everything that i wanted to happen <laughs> has happened I said, Kyle and I said, uh, Kyle's the other uh, other guy on Dad Bod Golf Pod, and the one thing that we've talked about this entire time is be pro-golf. Don't be anti-live. Don't be anti-PGA. Don't be pro-live. Don't be pro-PGA. Be pro-golf. And the reason being is because they're all doing it for the same reason, to make money. Yep. And now the PGA Tour clearly has proven that they're in it for the money after they told all these players – Money's not everything. Don't chase the money, right? That was the message from the PGA Tour. Don't chase the live money. We'll take care of you here. Be loyal to the PGA Tour. And then all of a sudden at 9 o'clock Central Time this morning, the entire sports world blew up because on Twitter the news broke that the PGA Tour, the Live Golf Tour, and the DP World Tour are all merging together under what seems to be one umbrella. And there's so many different factors here and so many different storylines. But I want to ask you uh, so many questions first of all everybody in the world found out at the exact same time the exact same way via twitter that includes us the talking heads the Mm -hmm. golf fans and most importantly the players themselves Mm -hmm. nobody knew that this was going on yeah jay monahan didn't send out a memo until after players had heard about it and after he, I guess it was MSNBCs when he went on and spoke. And so, uh, yeah, that you, you, you and I were together when uh, we read what Colin Marikawa uh, said. Where he didn't know Max Homa finding out and putting a little humor in on it. Um, I think it was said during one of the hours of um, the Max Roundtable. Daryl Daprich was uh, who does Double D Mondays with me on uh, News Talk WA and I. That was one thing that he'd mentioned too. Is this is something that has been in the works. This is not an overnight thing. No doubt. So Jay Monahan has been doing nothing but giving FaceTime and using the words like betrayal and sports washing only to be working a side deal with the live guys in the background. And now it even is going to, because PGA Tour controls the DP World Tour. So you've got live DP World Tour and PGA Tour all going to be, now there's going to be some separation. You know, one thing that did stick out in my mind, separately PGA Tour Incorporated will remain in place in a 501c6 tax-exempt organization, retains administrative oversight to events of those assets contributed by PGA Tour. I think you're still going to see live events that are 54 holes. And I think you're still going to see the PGA Tour events. I think this is just going to 
make it easier for if DJ wants to come play in the John Deere Classic, you know, for uh, and I say that because Sun South is one of our sponsors. That's the only reason I use that tournament. There you go. Uh, and so if he wants to play in the John Deere Classic, then he can do that now. Whereas before, he had to be invited, like for a major. I had to qualify via major. Um, now, you know, one thing that I hate is I was one of the ones pulling for a PGA slash live type event where they played like a match play event at, at one of these courses. That's it may still happen. I don't know. Um, but it's not going to have the, I don't know, the animosity that mm. it had before. So we shall see. But it, it is, I, again, I'm pro golf. I'm all for it. Uh, I, there are people out there. That I understand them being upset. Trust me, there ain't nobody upset more than the two people that stick in my, out of my mind. And I don't know what the, um, the value was that was going to send them over there. I don't know what they were willing to pay them. When this all first happened, Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas really close to it because him be playing at Alabama and being real well-known here in the Southeast, people know who he is. Um, those two guys were thrown out on a ledge to be the representatives of the PGA Tour and talked bad about guys that they used to share rooms with, that they shared you know, houses with when they went to certain events, and them having to basically bash them publicly and now the tour goes around them after making them the faces of the PGA Tour, and they strike this deal. And you know what? It was tweeted out by somebody, and maybe that is the case. Rory has looked depressed over about the last month. You better, you better believe it. Maybe Monahan said, hey, quit talking bad about Liv because we got a little something in the works. And that's where my brain goes with all of this. There's so many guys that are, they're all affected by it, yeah. right? All of the players are affected by this. The ones that, you got Phil Mickelson who are living on cloud nine, tweeting out, what a great day with a smiley face, <laughs> right? He is feeling really good about yeah. himself. But then you have other players like Hideki Matsuyama who didn't take that big time money to go to live. Mm -hmm. And then, like you mentioned, Rory McIlroy who has been the, the PGA golden boy, but he wasn't really, he didn't really volunteer himself he, like you said, nope. just kind of thrown out there and has been put through the works over mm -hmm. the last six months. And with all of this coming together, we don't know what it's going to look like. It's supposed to be under one, uh, again, one umbrella. Mm -hmm. Now, let me ask you this. In your mind, and this is still extremely fresh, there's mm -hmm. still so many details to work out over this week, over the next six months. Is this going to be separate tours where you can pick and choose where you want to go? Or is everybody coming together and we're playing on the PGA Tour, but the other ones are just associated with it? How is that going to work in your mind? I think it's going to be three separate tours. And the reason being is because right now, even, even right now, Live, their schedule is very limited. And what they do is they usually pick either off weekends or weekends that – a PGA Tour event is not very well known, and that's the weekend that they will play. Mm -hmm. So they can coexist. And and then DP World Tour, that's the old, quote-unquote, European tour. So that's going to be your European tour players that don't have a PGA Tour card, so they're still not going to be able to play on PGA Tour events. So they're still going to have the DP World Tour. All the reason the DP World Tour exists is so people can get Ryder Cup points and they can get World Cup points and that kind of stuff. So that's the only reason it exists. And, uh, and it is kind of a funnel to send some players over the PGA Tour so they can have uh, dual membership. So uh, I think it'll still act as three separate tours because I think you're going to have live is not set up right now so unless they change things they're only set up to have 40 some odd players playing in an event with no cut and with you know just 
a 54-hole uh, tournament. I think that will continue now. Will we see some of the, let's just call them suckier players for live? They will. Their contract. They've already said before. If if they continue to do bad, their contracts will not be retained. So it makes me wonder if a Rory may jump over and play in a live event and then go play in a PGA Tour event the next week. Will they allow them to bounce back and forth, you think? I think they're going to have to eventually. I don't know that that's going to happen right away, but I think once the PGA Tour and FedEx Cup season ends mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the summer, once all the majors are played and they get to looking, you know, when they start their, their season in January, yeah, I think that they could be something where you see guys bounce back and forth. And, and the reason being is because, let's call it what it is, a PGA Tour does not make this deal unless Liv offers them an asinine amount of money which we may never know what that amount is may not know and that's what is going to make this all so so fishy and and just smell really bad because you we know what those golfers took to go play in the lift tour we know why they left Mm -hmm. they're making millions on hundreds of millions of dollars for guys like dj and brooks kepka and they were told that they were a disgrace to the pga they Mm -hmm. were a disgrace to the game of golf they were they were told they were a disgrace to the united states of america yes because they took money from the saudis with with all of the things that that is with in history with 9-11 and all that and Mm so now the fact that and that's what i think has everybody riled up is the fact that those guys were patronized and just really drugged through the mud for taking that money Mm -hmm. and here we are the pga did the exact same thing they told their guys not to do and so that's what i think has everybody extremely fired up joined by ben taylor co-host of dad bod golf pod and host of auburn opelika this morning on our sister station news talk w a and i here on the uh, tuesday edition of on the line as we start hour number two ben want to ask you this we tweeted it out earlier today on espn 1067's account on twitter biggest winners and losers of all of this it's very early so we have to remember that but your initial answer to the biggest winners and losers of the pga tour the live golf tour and the dp world tour merging together the biggest winner is live because they've proven what they set out to prove that the two that the the tours could coexist and because everybody said they couldn't so they're the biggest winners individually the biggest winner is probably phil mickelson because he went from goat where people just, and I don't mean greatest of all time, I mean like the old version of GOAT, like what they referred to people when they were the, when they were the heel. <laughs> and so uh, he went from that to now he looks like a genius. And, uh, you know, the biggest losers, in my opinion, and I don't necessarily think it's JT and, and Rory, uh, and, but I think it's the PGA Tour in general because of their stance. Uh, that, you know, the thing they kept getting tweeted around is when Monahan was up there with Jim Nance and they were doing the sports washing thing and they were talking the 9-11 thing. And I told you, I said, I hated when they went there with that. I told you that when that happened mm-hmm. because they made it political and if they would have just done a Google search before they actually started doing that, they would see that all those Boeing jets that they fly around on are funded by Saudi money. Starbucks, banks, Bank Disney. of America, Disney, like Disney, who they're all on ABC and ESPN when they have the, when they have the tournaments. Um, it, it's just if you dig deep enough, you can find where the money goes, and that Saudi money is funding a lot of stuff in America, and so. When they went that route and they said, oh, they brought up 9-11, they, brought, they tried to talk about the families of 9-11 that wrote some of these players, and I thought, you know, you're politicizing this, and it's a money thing. It's not a political thing. That doesn't necessarily mean that the guys that were playing for live agree with every— 
Nobody agrees with everything their boss agrees with, mm-hmm. but yet they still take their paycheck. Nobody ever says, oh, man, <laughs> you cheated on your wife. You know what? Don't pay me this this week. That's not going to happen. And that's exactly what happened with, with Liv and PGA Tour. They tried to politicize it. The PGA Tour did. So they're the ones, and the biggest individual loser, Brandel Chambly. Yep. And the reason I say that is because even though he didn't lose money, he has done nothing but – Protect the PGA Tour. And I like Brandel. Mm-hmm. I, I don't agree with all of his takes, but for I do our, like For Brandle. our listeners that don't know that situation, can you recap them for that for them really quickly? Oh, Brandel Chambly? Yeah. For, he is because done. I don't think it – we know what it is, yeah. but I don't think everybody, if you're a casual golf fan, yeah. maybe knows that whole situation. He ha- he is an analyst on the Golf Channel. He has done nothing but ridicule the live players. He's done nothing but defend the PGA Tour and defend Golf Channel and defend uh, – Rory and defend JT and defend Tiger, who turned down seven to eight hundred million dollars. And he again tried to make some of it political. And I said, You got to be careful, man. Be pro golf. Do not be anti live. Don't be anti PGA. Be pro golf. And so now he has not tweeted anything today. He has gone radio silent. And, uh, and I think that's why he's the biggest loser because he has caught so much flack. Me being one of them, I tweeted at him. He's tweeted back, and we got into a discussion. I mean, here he is, a superstar, and he's tweeting back at us, uh, at me, and, me and Kyle, because we were just letting him know that some of the things he said just weren't true. And uh, he, he did it. I think at the request of the PGA Tour, but definitely at the request of Golf Channel. And now it's going to come back and bite him because he I mean, that's the thing is I even tweeted. I said, does he resign now or how does this work? Because now he's got to sing a different praise and he's got to talk good about these guys because now he's going to see them playing on Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday on the PGA Tour and have to talk about it and 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 analyze it. it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it absolutely killed him when Bruce Kepka won Mm -hmm. because he's a live guy. Now, do you think now that's been an interesting discussion too? Given the fact that Brooks Kepka coming off of a PGA Championship mm-hmm. win as a live golfer, do you think that maybe accelerated these conversations? Because as as uh, Daryl Dapper mentioned earlier on the Max Roundtable, mm-hmm. this didn't happen yesterday. This did they didn't come together at five o'clock last night and say, "Hey, this is a good idea." Like, do you think that accelerated this at all? Uh, maybe helped it a little bit. Maybe quote unquote put the nail in the coffin as far as um, coming to terms on a deal. I actually think it. Goes goes all the way back to uh, the British Open or Open Championship, whatever you want to call it. Us old schoolers call it the British Open. It's called the Open Championship now. It's dumb. Uh, but, uh, then, uh, but then the Masters came along, and once the Open Championship and the Masters said, no, we're letting the best players in the world play in these majors. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's when Jay Monahan realized, I don't have as much power as I thought I did, and if they're going to let them play in the majors – then they get their wish. They get to play nine to 12 weekends out of the year, and then they get to play in the majors, which is what Brooks Kepka said he wanted to do from the start. And so they're going to have to make some changes because the PGA, PGA Tour needs to thank Liv, number one, the PGA Tour players. Their purses got bigger. They started having elevated events all because of Liv taking place. Yep. So let's not act like Liv is just nothing but the bad guy here because they actually have put a lot of money in the pockets of PGA Tour players. So, no, I think the ball was rolling probably well before the first major, which is the second weekend in April and, and, uh, and the Masters. And I think that this has been going on probably since – I think it was either November or December is when the Open Championship said, uh, no, we're not locking anybody out. If they qualify to be in our tournament, they're playing in our tournament. And so I think that's probably when the ball got rolling is probably, uh, you know, late 2022. And Jay Monahan's – because after the initial start of Liv, 
Monte has been kind of quiet on this. Mm-hmm. So it makes me think that somebody got to him, and uh, I, I love it for golf. It, this is something that people – you know, they talk about how golf rate, and that's another reason PGA Tour needs them is because the golf ratings have been low for the PGA Tour. They've been abysmal for the Live Tour, too, because they're on the CW. Well, you can't find it. Exactly. You can't find it. Now, the ratings for Live have been great worldwide because a lot of people are just watching it online and streaming it on YouTube. Right. And so the YouTube numbers are there. Uh, but as far as the television numbers, and they cut away from coverage at one point in time. So I think this is great for golf. I know some people don't like that because they've got their moral high ground and their moral stance. Uh, I think Pat McAfee referred to it as high horsing. I think that's what people have been doing. They've been high horsing and thinking that their PGA is just far superior. Clearly, Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson, they've proved otherwise as three out of the top five finished in the Masters were live guys. Three out of the top ten, no, four out of the top ten finished in the um, in the PGA Championship were live guys, and so I think they realize, oh man, these guys can still play and they're still going to be here, so we got to do something with it. Well, the PGA Tour Commissioner sent out a letter today. We talked about it in the first hour. We'll talk some more about it here today. Jay Monahan, the first line of the letter to the PGA Tour members today is a momentous day, a momentous day for your organization and the game of golf as a whole. We'll see if they if we'll see if the PGA players agree with that. But I do agree with you, Ben, that I do think it is a good thing for golf to see the best in the world competing mm-hmm. in every single tournament day in and day out. Ben Taylor, co-host of Dad Bod Golf Pod, host of Auburn Opelika this morning over on News Talk WANI. Plug all your stuff, man. We appreciate you joining us here. Well, you mentioned the WANI thing, which I think people know that uh, for sure uh, when they listen to us in the morning on uh, News Talk 1400 and uh, 98.7 FM. And uh, so I'd love to have you guys between six and nine there. Plus, we have guests that. That, that Jacob has. We have a sports section uh, every morning between 7 and 7.30 so you guys can listen up for that. Uh, and then on the podcast side, there are a couple of different ways you can find me. It's not golf related. Braves Today. I got a Braves Today podcast that I do. I do that twice a week with Lindsey Crosby who comes on the show with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would love for you guys to go ahead and hit that subscribe button if you go over to YouTube and uh, and get those numbers up. And then, of course, Dad Bod Golf Pod. Uh, and you can find us even on Twitter at Dad Bod Golf Pod. And uh, Kyle and I uh, try to put content up minimum twice a week it's funny because we looked at the numbers after majors it always goes up i'm sure it's going to skyrocket as far as this is concerned whenever we pot a little bit later yeah on. you guys should probably have some viewership and some <laughs> listenership on on your latest podcast talking about the pga tour the dp world tour and the in the live tour all merging together the biggest story in sports today we were able to drag ben taylor in the studio man we appreciate you talking the biggest story but stay tuned when we come back lance Dahl locked on kentucky auburn daily He'll join us talking about this. We'll get his thoughts on it and everything else going on around Auburn Athletics. 334-321-1390. Stay tuned. A busy day here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. All right, back inside the studio here at ESPN 106.7. Big, big thank you to Ben Taylor stopping by and talking some golf with us because that is the biggest storyline around sports going on today. Uh, The PGA Tour and the Live Golf Tour merging together as one. They swore they'd never do it, and here we are. It's happening anyway. And so uh, we appreciate Ben, who is the co-host of the Dad Bod Golf Pod podcast, for joining us, talking and giving his thoughts on uh, all of that going on. And we'll talk some more about it later on as well. 
also in hour number one, if you missed any of that. A great show. We had Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers. He joined us for the back half of hour number one uh, for 30 full minutes talking all things Auburn athletics, recapping the year, uh, really getting his thoughts on the upcoming seasons. He talked about the positivity uh, for him and the fan base. And so if you missed any of that, you'll have to catch up with the podcast today, ESPNAU.com. But we have Lance Dahl in studio now, just rolling through the guest today. Lance Dahl, host of Locked on Kentucky and contributor for Auburn Daily. Lance, are you doing okay? We're a week we're a week removed from you being on the show and Oscar Sheboy news dropping. And so, are you okay? Has it gotten any better for you? I'm not going to lie, Jacob. It's not really gotten that much better. <laughs> it, it, it'd be simply because of the fact that nothing has happened since then. It's been more of, oh, look, here are more transfer portal prospects for the Wildcats to look at. Oh, they're not going to get any, any of them? Okay, fine. And now the resolution, Jacob, has been uh, apparently for Cal and this coaching staff hey guys, if we can't get transfer portal players at the University of Kentucky, one of the most prestigious, if not the most prestigious basketball program in the nation, let's see if we can go after some more freshmen to add to this class. <laughs> so that's what they, they've decided to do. Two more three stars uh, that they're looking at potentially adding, I think tomorrow actually, or at least one of them for sure. So um, yeah, not great. Not great the way that they're doing things right now. Yeah. How do we think Cal would do with the youngest team in America? Uh, well, I think that this, at the at best, it's a round of thirty-two exit. I wow. just feel like I feel like Lance has been sitting in a padded room for the last week, just rocking back and in forth. a dark corner. Yeah. He's just he's just like, please help me, in please a, help me. In a dark corner with a podcast board and a mic, and yeah. it's and, and the voices have been telling me to talk into the mic and read ads and stuff. So yeah, it's not it's not been great. Well, we will talk to you about all of that coming up in just a little bit. But let's get to the phone lines three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Terry, you're on the line, man. Welcome in. Hey guys, I wanted to comment on this uh, this golfing with the PGA and the Live Tour. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of them old stuffy guys and the, the PGA just got put on notice. Okay, and what's your and reason? I think, re- I think referring to the, the golf as a gentleman's game is like referring to a strip joint as a gentleman's club. I mean, that's that's just how I feel. It's not it's not that way. it's about the money. Ben Taylor said it best. It's about the money. You're absolutely about right. With the, with the cash, and they've proven that so, today. And yeah, it was proven today. Got nothing to do with nothing. To do with nothing. It's all about the dime and the dollar. Well, I said that in the first hour, Terry. I said if 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 you are a sports fan and you're still under the the impression that sports are about the players or the coaches or the fans or the schools and professional sports or in college sports, then then you're horribly mistaken. It is about the money, the money, and oh yeah, the money. Yeah, and it's all sports. It's not just golf. It's everything. Oh yeah, 100%. I mean, you, you, you see guys holding out for a better contract. They're still under contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I mean, they refuse to play because they want a new contract. And that's all it is. I mean, it, and look, there's nothing wrong with people wanting more money. I mean, I, I know that's there's a lot of debate around that, but when when everything is ran because of money and you are the PGA and you preach to your golfers, don't go to, don't chase the money, don't chase the money. And then you turn around a year later and you're like, yeah, well, we actually chased the money. Sorry, guys. Well, I think they, I think they saw what was coming. They were not going to win that, that suit or anything else. And they were just constantly playing catch up. And they, I think they had to do it quite honestly. Don't like it. But it's it's where it is where it's where the world is right now. I didn't like, I don't like college athletes getting paid either. But you know what? It's part. It's what it is. And you brought up an interesting point that we forgot to mention with the merging of the PGA and the Live Tour. All of those litigations that are going on between the two, they just magically disappear. In that, in that something. They disappear. Yep, that's right. Yep. 
Appreciate it. Take care. Have yep. a good day. Appreciate it, Terry. Good to hear from you. That is Terry joining us on the phone lines. We'd love to hear from you as well. 334-321-1390. By the way, uh, while Terry was talking there, uh, I, I can now Please see... Please don't tell me there's something on Twitter. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's something that does not pertain to, to Kentucky on Twitter. Yet. Uh, but I just saw a picture of the, the flyer that was announcing the PGA Tour like players meeting. Uh, at four, it just said player meeting four p.m. Somebody had taken, I guess, one of the tour players had taken a sharpie and just wrote "live" above <laughs> player meeting. Wow! So uh, has anything come out from that meeting? Because it started what about thirty minutes ago, supposedly. I yeah. Given the initial like stances that some of these players have taken, I'm gonna assume that it's gonna take longer than thirty minutes. I would I would hope so. And if anything comes out about it, we will talk about it. We have Lance Dahl in studio, host of Locked On Kentucky and co- contributor for Auburn Daily. We'll get caught up on Kentucky news. We'll talk some of the Auburn news as well coming up here in the last 30 minutes of the Tuesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. And Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goetz. He's Carter Bird. We're joined by Lance Dahl in studio. And Lance, we talked to you briefly before we had a phone call from Terry, which we appreciate. Always good to hear from him. How are things in your world? Because Kentucky, obviously, you're the host of Locked on Kentucky. And last time you were here, we had to break the news that Oscar Shibway was not coming back. You have told us nothing else has changed. If And I don't think that's good. I think that that is bad news for uh, Kentucky basketball. But you have baseball that uh, did their thing in the regional. And then in basketball as well, we have some Auburn news to talk about. So how are things in your world right now? It just feels like Carter's over there trying to manifest news on Twitter. Carter's <laughs> so- trying to break the news news of of Reeves going somewhere other than Kentucky yeah so it's not that great like we uh, like we talked about last week Oscar Shibway announcing that he's going to stay in the NBA draft all my homies know his pain the roster as it stands right now is currently seven scholarship players and five of those are freshmen it's really not a good spot especially considering we're now getting into the middle part of June and oh yeah you have to go represent the United States of America in some cup where you play Canada's national team and then you have to play Africa you have to play Germany you don't have enough players to do that right now and so Kentucky I think is kind of in scramble mode trying to pick up some pieces and what they've decided to do uh, outside of maybe targeting some different transfer portal prospects that at the end of the day are going to go to either Alabama or some other random school they've decided to go after two freshmen a forward uh, named Jordan Burks he was an Ole Miss decommit former three-star actually looks really really good if you go check it out his uh, high school tape he was the leading scorer of Overtime Elite this past season, so wow. he, he's, he's okay. a bucket getter. Okay. Um, I think a little bit of a diamond in the rough. The other guy I'm very confused about, Joey Hart, who is a three-star shooting guard, decommit from UCF, like 6'5", maybe a wing type of player, possibly. I, I don't see the appeal here, especially whenever you've got somebody named Reed Shepard who is almost a borderline five-star coming off your bench this year that will do the exact same thing uh, that, that uh, Joey Hart would do for you. So... Uh, you need depth in your front court. Kentucky's not really prioritizing that right now, at least it seems. And the players that they're trying to prioritize, they're missing on. At least your baseball team gets to 
hang out with Paul Skeens on this on hey, Saturday. Dude, at least we get the, the get, best pitcher in America. Yeah, at least we get to get stomped by LSU this weekend. <laughs> yeah. That's gonna be awesome. I'm surprised they made it past Indiana and blew them out in that first game the way that they yeah, did. Yeah, Indiana those. played really well. I mean, and, and we knew they were good. We talked about it because Auburn saw them to start the year. Auburn baseball did, and we knew that Indiana was going to compete in in that regional and. and is it a coincidence that Kentucky made it out given all the disadvantages to everybody else? I guess I, I don't know. I don't know. It was. It, I think from the jump it was an advantage for Kentucky, and if they get to host regional again next year, I say they schedule two uh, music <laughs> uh, concerts, whatever. Whatever you got to do, right? Well, good news. Uh, well, I guess there's nothing really going on with Kentucky basketball per se because nothing has changed, and right. that's sort of what you were talking about. But on the Auburn side of things, because you are a contributor for Auburn Daily as well uh, we've seen Auburn go and they picked up a, a Juco defensive back so they added depth to the defensive side of the football uh, Lance in your mind I know we are still what 88 days away from the kickoff of college football for Auburn but in general given that Auburn added a depth piece uh, in the Juco defensive back from Texas your perspective and your thoughts on the defensive side of the football and what Hugh Freeze has done in the additions to, and plus the guys coming back in the secondary. I mean, your just your thoughts on the defensive side of the football for Auburn. I think you have to be really excited about what the secondary could be uh, this season for for uh, Ron Roberts in this defense because what has been a consistent problem uh, for Auburn football over the past couple of seasons? It's stopping the run and it's not being able to get turnovers. I think something that people aren't talking about enough is the fact that Auburn returns one of the more experienced defensive back units in the SEC and easily one of the most talented tandems in DJ James and Nehemiah Pritchett. You've also got Jalen Simpson, who has now uh, moved over from corner to, I believe he's probably going to be playing a little bit more safety this season. This should be a really, really good unit. Now, I I will say, guys, something that I've had pause on, and maybe you guys can sell me on this a little bit, since Roberts was hired... I've been convinced that statistically I think this defense will improve. I think that what you see on the field in terms of actually uh, filling your assignments and actually getting in the gaps and making stops in the run game, I think that's going to improve. I just don't know how much. I, I'm, I'm having a hard time seeing this defense be a top five unit in the SEC. I can see the pieces. I can be yeah. excited about some of the transfer portal additions, but I need to actually see this team go out and play better uh, than what they did last year because right now I think it's a top seven unit. Don't know if it's it's top five. I think they're going to be really good at stopping the run because of the just sheer mass that you brought in in the transfer portal on, on the defensive line. I mm-hmm. mean – Offensive lines are going to have to move, what, daggum near 700 pounds up the middle between Jason Jones and Justin Rogers. It's going to be a problem, yeah. And you still have Marcus Harris and uh, Nasili Kite and these other guys, and Lawrence Johnson, these guys that are 280 to 300 pounds. Like, there's a lot of beef. And you brought in a lot of linebackers, some with some experience. Which you desperately need. A couple 240-pounders there that look like they're going to be downhill thumpers, which Auburn has not had in a long time. I agree with you on DB. I mean, personally, I think think Auburn's in about as good of a position at corner specifically that we've seen in a long time. I think Auburn's got five NFL corners on this roster Really? Five? Because Pritchett will get – he'll get drafted. DJ's getting drafted. I think Keontae's good enough to get drafted. I think JD JD Rim and K and Lee are just young. Yep. yep. You're, no, I th- you're I right. think you've got five NFL corners yeah. right now on this team. And who knows what pans out in uh, at safety. I mean, I think Jalen Simpson 
was playing his best ball last year at safety. And if he can elevate that a little bit more, I think he could be a potential NFL caliber guy as well. I think there are some things that on this Auburn defense, they just have to get better, right? Pressure on the quarterback, that has to get better. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was so bad last year because... Like, does it does it have to get better, though? Like, you don't have Derek Hall, and as far as proven commodities to get after the quarterback, what do you have? Maybe not even from a personnel standpoint, but maybe just from a game planning standpoint, from a play Fair. calling standpoint. I, I, I will concede that, that Ron Roberts is going to do a lot more exotic stuff of bringing guys from un- unexpected places, simulated pressures. We've heard a lot about it. He will g- generate some pressure that way. But as far as known commodities, the most known commodity as a pass rusher you have is Jalen McLeod, who's probably the smallest edge rusher in the SEC. Yeah, and he had two, he's had two really good games in his career, albeit against Power 5 competition. But outside of that, it's not like the most elite player mm. that you brought in yeah. that can be like a, a game changer every th- single down. Oh, yeah, because he's, he's going to have to play specialist. He's going he's he's to have to be, yeah. One, six, two, two, twenty. You're not going yeah. to have, you're not going to have, I think, an elite pass rusher on this team. Now, watch watch the, Auburn be one of the best in the SEC at that. After, after and if, that, if that's what Falk they want to do, set the that is national fine. freshman <laughs> record for sacks congratulations you said that. <laughs> but what i'm saying is in general not only does it not only can it improve it needs to improve right and i'm mm-hmm. not saying auburn has to go out and get five sacks a game i'm just saying put enough pressure on the quarterback to where they have to beat you they have to yep. make plays to beat you because we saw this team last year it didn't matter what quarterback it was I said the other day you could have taken a third string safety and put him at the quarterback position and he would have thrown all over the yard against Auburn last year because the secondary can't hold up for that long even when there are five guys that are NFL type of players on the team like you have to put pressure on the quarterback and I think Auburn can do that this year I'm with you it we it remains to be seen whether Auburn has the dudes to do that mm-hmm. but I think the game planning and the play calling on that side of the football will help them do that and they absolutely have to I'll say this I think it may come from a place that you may not expect I think it may come from the interior because think back to look Marlon Davidson was a really good player mm-hmm I wouldn't call him like a pass rush yep. specialist. Mm-hmm. But Auburn got a lot of pressure in 2019 Yep, because you had a human grizzly bear coming up the middle just tossing dudes out of the way trying to eat quarterbacks' faces off. And he's a stud. He's doing it in the NFL now. Mm-hmm. I think you've got... you. I'm not saying you have a Derrick Brown, but I think you've got a couple guys who can give you some high-level penetration from an interior pass rush perspective. Yep. I don't think you've got a crazy elite guy, but a couple makes it a lot harder yeah. for that interior offensive line to figure out who's got to help where, who's got to pick up who where, especially when you're bringing simulated pressures and linebackers and safeties from all different angles. There's a chance that Auburn has a good enough interior pass rush and can confuse offensive lines that they can get a decent amount of pressure this season. Yeah, you've got a collective that I think can statistically uh, not not compare to what was what Derek Brown was doing. I mean, even when you're watching these guys on the are field, are you saying are you saying they're gonna moneyball Derek Brown? <laughs> but I'm <laughs> saying in theory, we have to. We, we, <laughs> Johnny Damon, Jason Giambi, they're gone. 
in theory, we can have, they get on base? Exactly. That can they can they get on? Can they get a little bit of pressure individually? And we'll put them all out there at once, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, Auburn has officially moneyballed their defensive line this year. Made the right <laughs> trades. That is going to be our new just stance on on it. Yep. I love it. This They're moneyballed. Money yeah. Oh man. I, I, also, I think that's something that's not talked about enough. And, and Jacob, I think you brought it up a minute ago. Is Auburn brought in some linebackers? Guys, I want to see this linebacker room improve significantly because it was abysmal last year. And it was so thin. Yep. It's just nothing that you could do. And so bringing in guys like uh, Larry Nixon, uh, Austin Keys, and uh, the Demario Tolan, you've got to be able to see some of these guys take a step forward and make this unit a lot better than it was last year. To take some pressure off of the defensive line. Mm-hmm. Have those guys help out with pressure or even dropping back. Like The linebackers are so important, especially in the SEC. You've seen so many talented ones come through this conference. Auburn's got to get back to having multiple talented linebackers. Well, your, your top two linebackers last year, Owen Papo, Sophomore Owen Papo was the best Owen Papo because Mm he, a little bit of scheme, I think, but then also he just couldn't stay healthy. Mm -hmm. Cam Riley couldn't stay healthy last year. If nothing else, this defense will be better in the front seven because you've got bodies. Yep. All of a sudden, you've got a really deep linebacker room in terms of guys that have played at the FBS level that have some experience that you can run, what, six, seven guys out there for your two linebacker spots because you're going to be in nickel more times than not. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to have any games where you only play five defense alignment against the number one rush offense that's not an academy like you did last year against Ole Miss. Like, you're going to rotate bodies on the defensive line. If nothing else, your defense is better because you've got bodies. Yep. And I I think whenever you actually watch the product on the field this year, it will have to do a lot with the fact that Auburn has depth, the improvement that you're speaking about. And look, I know I said earlier that it's probably not a top five unit in the SEC. It could get there. It could get there to five or four. I don't really think that that alone, what I'm saying there, is significant. I think that you also have to pair it up with the fact that this offense, I think, is going to be much better than it was last oh, yes. season. And it, it, I'm not saying it doesn't matter what the defense does. I'm just saying I think it's going to matter less that Auburn doesn't have a top three unit in the SEC on that side of the ball because I genuinely believe this Hugh Freeze, uh, Hugh Freeze geez, can't talk, this Hugh Freeze offense is going to be able to take a significant step forward, especially throwing the football. Last year you had... On one side of the ball, Iowa's offense at Auburn, <laughs> and you had Ole Miss's defense, and that combined for five and seven. It's not a winning recipe. No. I think if you have what? What is a slightly above average offense in in college football last year? Um, I'll get you I mean, a, you I'll could go. Very you could go. <laughs> I yeah. love that. I love that. But yeah. you're like you're gonna you're not gonna be bottom third of the SEC in, on both sides of the ball, Yeah, I think at a minimum you're going to be smack dab middle of the pack. I think offense, given the success Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery and Ken Austin have had with quarterbacks and the way that they actually run a scheme that fits the skill set of their players, wild concept, your offense is going to be significantly better. The most I, average... Yeah team in college football in terms of yards per game last year was liberty so 
There you go. That is so perfect. <laughs> That's hilarious. Right. Wow. How about that? It's either that or so South you're, Florida. So you're telling me Auburn's third string quarterback is going to Fayetteville this year and getting a win. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you got to do, right? Well, I think with you're talking about kind of where you would rank the Auburn defense and predicting where they may finish stat wise and just by the eye test this season. I think it's very fair to say the Auburn defense will be top half. Yes. Now, top five, maybe not. I don't know. But just thinking around the SEC defensive-wise, outside of the outliers of Georgia, um, who else has just like the stout, unbelievable defense? You talked about Kentucky having a sneaky good defense. So that's what I was about to say is yesterday I actually, for uh, Locked On, they sent us a thing that they were trying to get us like to fill out a poll, and they had us ranking all these different things in the SEC, and they it literally said rank every single SEC defense projected out heading into 2023. And once you get past Georgia, you're exactly right. I don't think that there's a clear-cut favorite, maybe outside of Alabama, that's going to be your number two defense in the in the conference. Kentucky was second, actually, last year in yards per game in the SEC. I don't. I think they'll be top four. I think Kentucky will be top four. Believe it or not, LSU was actually sixth. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize it was it was low. Missouri was fourth last year in the SEC in total yards per game. Sneaky good defense. You talk about teams that are kind of underrated in that category. Auburn was ninth. I think that they can move their way up to sixth or seventh. I think that's about where I see them. If they get to fifth or fourth, that's really good. A really really good sign for Rod Roberts in year one. We don't talk enough about. Missouri giving like worse than Texas A&M and their extension with Jimbo Mm -hmm. for no reason their extension of Drinkwitz was like why a little confusing definitely where is he gonna go is it nobody wants him and you're gonna fire him in a year was it because of the recruiting class was that it were they just like hey hey, this guy can actually recruit once let's see if he can do it again here's some money cool when he goes five and seven and you fire him (laughs) after one year after giving him an extension have fun with that and then he went down to the sec spring meetings and had a field day with what he wanted to say down there about nil and all that so i mean credit to missouri man they're they're doing their own thing over there so we got to take our are final. They good at anything? Uh, basketball, they were good. Oh, they weren't great. They're were good for this past year, and that's it since they joined <laughs> the conference. Dennis Gates stands on this show, guys. Don't don't disrespect them. Fair. That's. <laughs> I think I looked it up. I think they won like the 2012 and 2013 volleyball SEC championships, and have not won a championship in any sport in the SEC since. Hang Darn right. Get them a commercial. <laughs> We got to get we got to get to our final break here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. If you want to come in and join us for the final segment, Lance Dahl, host of Lock Talk Kentucky and contributor for Auburn Daily, joining us in the studio three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We'll wrap it up when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN one zero six seven online at espnau.com or on the ESPN one zero six seven app. Wrapping up the Tuesday edition of On the Line. It's been a busy, busy show, but man, it's been so much fun. Uh, hour number one, we talked the biggest news of the day, PGA and Live coming together. The world of golf is colli- it's colliding, collapsing, whatever word you want to use. I don't really know, and I don't think we truly know what it's going to be like yet. So we talked about that. Then at 2.30, back in the first hour, we had the voice of the Auburn Tigers, Andy Burcham, stop by the studio, talk to us uh, about 
the baseball season and in the rough ending that it was for them uh, recapping 22 and 23 for Auburn Athletics and gave a really really good preview for 23 and 24 and so that was exciting as well Andy Burtsom joined us in studio Ben Taylor then stopped by host and co-host of the dad bod golf pod podcast and host of Auburn Opelika this morning and of Braves Today podcast to talk about the PGA and the live tour he knows a lot about golf and stopped by talk to us about that and Lance Dahl host of Locked on Kentucky and contributor for Auburn Daily has been in the studio for all of hour number two as well and so Lance we got about a minute or so anything else that you feel you need to tell whether it be Kentucky news Auburn news updates opinions whatever you got man we got about a minute or so man I'm just interested to see and I'll probably come back on around that time whenever the SEC schedule is announced next week I'm really excited to see uh, what goes on for the Tigers and for the Wildcats should be interesting June 14th is that right okay Yeah, well, we, uh, what day of the week is that? I don't. I think I it's Wednesday, so the Thursday okay. show of On the Line will be very interesting. Okay, well then, yeah, that will 100% happen, and we'd love to have you on to talk about Auburn's schedule and Kentucky's schedule and, and see what that's going to look like. I just want to see Texas or Oklahoma on both of theirs. I just want to see, I want to see something weird. Auburn fans hate you. <laughs> I, I want to see something weird. I want to go play in Austin. That would be cool. Absolutely not. Well, Lance Dahl. It's going to be so rough. It's going to be bad. Lance Dahl, Locked On Kentucky, Auburn Daily. Go check him out. Go check out the podcast, ESPNAU.com. You do not want to miss it. But come back tomorrow, 2 to 4, right here on ESPN 106.7. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.